Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, brought to you by Graf Martin Communications, where we discuss ministry, marketing, and leadership for good. I'm your host, Ellen Graf Martin, and each episode you get to join me in conversation with some of the most interesting changemakers and groundbreakers from across Canada and beyond. On this episode of the Changemakers Podcast, we have my friend Melinda Estabrooks, creator and executive producer of the Canadian women's show See, Hear, Love. You've probably seen Melinda on screen or heard her on air. I think that today you'll get to see a whole new side of Melinda. We're going to talk about reaching people coast to coast, what it means to be a good leader when you're in the public eye, about fame being a trap and seeing ministry as a marathon rather than a sprint. There's even one moment that surprised Melinda with something that she'd not shared before. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's jump in. Today on the podcast, I have my friend, Melinda Estabrooks. Now, I have known Melinda for about 15 years, and we met in the funniest way in the um, (laughs) Crossroads building 15 years ago. We were talking about that this afternoon. Yes, we were. How did we meet? It was hilarious. You realize that dates us, right? Because if I said like solid gold, people would be like, what's that? Or the older people would be like, yes. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. So there's a lot to that story, but that's how we met. It was over, it was over that. And you know, Melinda, you are a change maker and, uh, this is the change maker podcast, Mm -hmm. ministry, leadership, marketing. You are involved in all of those things for good. And I want to say you're a change maker because you engage, you produce, and you're a champion of a new kind of media. Mm -hmm. So you're, you, you do a show. We're going to talk about your show. It's See Here Love, and it's all over the place. You are actually meeting people where they are, which is what you need to do and what a lot of people aren't doing. Thanks, Ellen. And you make things happen. And uh, you don't just make things happen for yourself, but you make things happen for other people too. You're a champion, not just for yourself, but you help other people make things happen. And I got to see that firsthand when you worked with me. You also understand, and I think are seeking to understand, the shifting media and ministry world and culture because it's changing rapidly. rapidly. Very quickly. Um, And a lot of people are trying to figure it out um, and wishing it would just stay the way it was. (laughs) And it's not. And so I I think you are engaging that change in a really great way. So you are a change maker because you are not just engaging the change, you're participating in it. And here's the other thing, and we talked about this a little bit, and I think this is a whole separate show, Mm -hmm. is that you understand multicultural or intercultural or whatever that is, ministry, Mm -hmm. and you're teaching me about that in new ways. And I I don't even know, honestly, if we're going to get into that in this show, because that's a whole topic, Unless the show, Ellen, is like three hours, a three-hour podcast. we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we do have a lot to talk about. Well, thank you. You That was a great intro. I've never been introduced that way. I liked that. Well, so I'm just going to actually lift that off this podcast that's great. and use it, even though it might be copyrighted, but I liked that. Thank yeah. you. And you've done a lot of things over the years. Is that right? <laughs> like, yes. when did you actually start in your career? Like when we say ministry, leadership, marketing, mm-hmm. when did you start in that career? Wow. Really, my first career job was with World Vision Canada. Okay. Um, I was in customer service and... Uh, it's always good when you're young and you're trying to pay for college. And I was doing the phones. And then I, I moved into a role in development, marketing, fundraising 
with the 30-hour famine, which was a big campaign initiative here in Canada and around the world uh, to raise money for, you know, different kinds of, at my time, Ellen, it was for HIV and AIDS. Mm. And I moved into that. So I was at World Vision Canada for seven years with a with a team um, bringing awareness to the needs of those around the world and to the most vulnerable. And then after World Vision Canada, I was asked by Lorna Duick, who has been a mentor, now the CEO of Crossroads, to join her team in as a reporter and cultural correspondent for a show called Listen Up TV, which is now Context. And I'd never done media, so that's a whole other story, but uh, an amazing ride of seven years in mm. in media work. And, and that's from, where we met. You were at we Listen met. Up. Yeah. yeah, that's where we met. And from there, then doing Full Circle, which was uh, a woman's show that aired across Canada. And from there, media came to... Raph Martin to do PR, worked in leadership training at an organization called Eagles Flight, and now I am at See Her Love. So there's a lot of things I've done. And I, when yes. I start talking to, to people about that, they're like, did you start at like six? And I'm like, yes. Pretty much, Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a lot of time. And so when I sit here with you and, and I'm reminded of where I've come from, it's a moment. Like I actually have to, t- it, it, it catches my breath a bit. Mm-hmm. It really does. And you've really done it. You've done the ministry, mm-hmm. the marketing, mm-hmm. you've done media. Yes. And you are a leader. You really are a leader. And so you are, you're a change maker, like in the context I of hope this so. podcast, you really are. Do you think of yourself as a change maker? You know, no, which is really interesting. I mean, I appreciate that I'm on a change makers podcast, but I would never say change maker. And as I was thinking about that on my drive up here to do the podcast, I'm like, am I a change maker? I mean, it sounds funny because from what you say, it sounds like I've I've made changes and helped people move towards change. But I have never called myself a change maker before. Mm-hmm. But I, but in in the context of what you're saying, I'm like, oh, I think I am. <laughs> you are, and, and I would even say you're like a make it happener. Like yes. a change maker is a little bit different, but I think that's kind of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it is. You know, I've, I've, I do value that. Like, and I won't use the word. It's funny. Like, you know, as we're always saying, like she hustles and she's mm-hmm. a hustler. I understand that, but it, it really is when you have a passion and a fire in you, and I, and I am like in your belly and your bones. You can't help but, but do what God has called you to do. To do what you love. To, to follow sort of this mission and vision that God has for you. And so I think in that, that does make sense as a change maker because I've made, um, you know, in the work I've done, I've actually helped change and reframe and help people reframe the way they see the world, how they see the most vulnerable, marginalized, how they listen to stories, how people respond uh, to faith and to Jesus. So if that's a change maker, then yeah, Mm -hmm. I am a change maker. You are. And, you know, you were talking about, so so you are the host of See, Here Love. Mm-hmm. And when you worked with me, you were talking about the show. Yes. And it was a dream. It was definitely a it, dream. It was a God-sized dream. My friend Holly Girth, she would say that's a God-sized dream. Yeah. And it was your God-sized dream. And you chased that dream. And I think that you were obedient to it as well. So there's a different, you know, I think that one thing about hustle is that hustle is all about you, where I think when you're chasing the God-sized dream and that fire in your bones yeah. is more about doing what you've been created to do or called to yeah. do. And it doesn't, and it's like, it's like a little itch. It doesn't go away, you know, because when I came up with this idea, it took three years in the making and in the 
cultivating and curating and and screaming to God about, you know, my timing versus his timing to finally see it come to fruition, this this dream of, a, you know, a woman's show, starting off as a web show to reach women where they're at, you know, across the spiritual spectrum and to invite them into a community of conversation and honesty and authentic, you know, authenticity and inclusion that's so needed as I go out into the world and meet with people is so needed today. Mm-hmm. So many people are isolated and marginalized and confused. And sometimes, unfortunately, the church isn't the safest place to be. So why not create a community online where the, the millennials and and the young people are? And that was where God really, you know, sort of poked me and said, you need to be that. You're an age now, Mal, where you can be that mentor and you can bring about change to young women in how they see me and how and how they see, you know, me as a loving father, as as one to follow the example of Jesus, who was an advocate for women and children, and to understand that my spirit can be within them, you know, to give them power and to guide them in life, because that's what you've experienced, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. it comes, Alan, from Mm -hmm. what I've experienced. It's like, I want to give and, and, and just like, show that and, and help people understand that so that they can live in, in that same way. And so I was going to ask you, like, why do you do what you do? And I think you were just saying that. And what I heard you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm. is that you want people included. Absolutely. Is that right? I want, pe- yes. It actually makes me quite emotional in, in that in this world today where I know and, and the stats are saying and reports are saying that more people obviously are in the digital world and on their phones and online, more people than ever more people than ever are also isolated and alone. Mm. And we have a we have a big problem of loneliness right across the board of all ages where people are feeling more alone. And I've always wanted people to know they're included. I think even when I was young, my parents said, even when you're in kindergarten, grade one, you always invited everybody to your birthday party. You always include everybody, you know, at recess. And there's something in me, and I don't know if that's God sort of like, put that in right into my DNA. But I've always been about including people. I never wanted people left out or or felt alone or ostracized because I don't believe that's the heart of God. God Mm -hmm. was always about everybody is invited to the table. Mm -hmm. Everybody. And and you know, Alan, maybe that's also part of being adopted. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, being adopted, you know, as a young baby and to be included into a family Maybe that's part of it. And then understanding how God adopts us and everybody into his own family so nobody's ever left out. Mm-hmm. That could be very much a part of that storyline and why I'm passionate about including everybody. Yeah, and I think your story really does play into that. Mm-hmm. And and I have seen that in you since I've known you, is that you're like, there's a party. Everyone's <laughs> invited. Come along. And yet I know that one of the things that I've actually, well, we didn't talk about this. So hopefully I'm allowed to talk about this. There's like no holds barred, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I have seen you posting about lately is on not doing everything. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, one of the things that I've seen you as a leader and, you know, you're very public because you're on air in a lot of different ways, online, doing all these different things. Like you have the coolest looking parties ever, <laughs> um, coolest birthday parties. And yet I know that right now you're feeling challenged, like on choosing what to do. Is that fair to say? Yes. And um, not doing it all. Because I'll tell you 
that sometimes when I look at your social feed, I'm like, it makes me introvert. <laughs> like I feel yeah. by just watching it that I've extroverted. And so now I need to go introvert. <laughs> you sound like and, my husband. <laughs> and read a book. Yeah. And so tell me, like, tell yeah, me as no, a leader, because one of the things that you have to do is mm. be public, right? Yeah. So it's a good question. It, it is a balance. It's not been easy. I think anybody who's in the spotlight, Christian or not, wherever you are, you know, you are, your life is in a way not your own. Like mm-hmm. people have ex- access to it. You should you should hear the things that people say, you know, you know about me or about what do I what I do. And that's been for years, especially being on television. And so, you know, my dad always said, you you always need to have, you know, a soft heart but a thick skin. And and in that, I think as I've gotten older and priorities have shifted and the desire to be known in a celebrity kind of is like <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wow, that is that is absolutely not something that I desire. And more now it's friendships and family and and becoming this woman that God has created and meant to be that shifts a lot of, you know, what I focus on. Now, mm-hmm. yes, and 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 this is the honest truth. I mean, social media is always that part of you show the the best things and the most exciting things. And I don't show the late nights where I'm I'm working hard and my husband and I have had a, a big argument because I'm I'm not living a good balanced life and I don't have self-care. Yeah. And so it is a constant, yeah, it's a it's a constant, I don't want to say battle because that, that sounds, you know, too much, but it is a, a constant thing within me and beside me mm-hmm. and around me about what it means to be a good leader because I, I haven't done it well all the time. I'm being, I'm doing it better, mm-hmm. I would say today. Mm-hmm. And I have to take it one day at a time. You know, I take one day and say, okay, what can I have to say no to, to say yes to? Mm-hmm. And it's hard, especially when you're, I've always been a person who wants to be a part of everything. Mm-hmm. I want to be the person that's the yes person, but that has not been healthy. And that actually has caused, you know, quite a bit of problems for me when you say yes too much and you don't have margins and you can get burnt out. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, you are out for a while. So yeah, it, it's a good question, and it's one that I'm 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 working on every day. Better now, Ellen, but working on every day to to make a conscious, intentional choice to be healthy and better, and to focus on what's important, and the other things. You know, mm-hmm. too bad, and if people get upset, too bad. I can't manage other people's emotions on these things. Yeah, I own me, and I'm responsible a lot for my own, my family for the people I love, but for all those other people, which I was trying to manage how they saw me and accepted me enough. And I think that's something I'm really learning. I've been trying to tell other people that your responsibility is not to manage other people's emotions. Yeah. They need to manage their own emotions. You manage, you know, yourself and and self-care and what God has called you to do. That's good. Mm. And And honestly, those sorts of lessons are what I think keep you in the long game. Yeah. Like I hope so. There, there's that there's that short game of like if I can be famous fast. Like people ask us like how can I build my platform and and I I know you and I have talked about this. I'm always really nervous when someone says they want to be famous or mm. like they don't usually say they want to be famous, but I can tell that's what they're trying to say because um, <laughs> it's a trap. Oh yeah, absolutely, it is a trap. You have to be careful. I mean, even for me, when you're on TV and you've got a podcast and you're on YouTube and you're on radio. I mean, there's a lot of access where people are writing you and, you know, there's this, this sense of adoration and love and awe for you. And you have to be really, 
you know, wary and, and guarded in those areas. I mean, I'm glad I have a husband that that's really grounded who's like, whoa, easy, you know, head out of the clouds. I mean, come on, this is reality. And and so that's good. I think the other thing too, that people in ministry, especially pastors and people in the public, uh, there is a challenge there. And I've been, I've been really seeing this a lot more where there is this, this part of ministry and Christian ministry where you work and you 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 toil and do the work until you are long gone because that is the work God has called you to. And I've seen that happen, you know, around me in environments. I've heard that said that you basically work to the bone mm-hmm. because it's the work of the Lord. Well, that has caused a lot of problems in many families and in many organizations and with many Christian homes and was even part of, Ellen, a bit of my drive. Oh, well, God has called me, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to, and I'm going to do it for him. And, and I don't know how long I have left and I've got to work, work, work. Well, how unhealthy is that? But I know a lot of people that that's their drive and motivation. Like God has called me, so I better go. And so if I have to work, you know, a thousand hours a week, then that's what I have to do because people are dying spiritually and physically and I must. Well, that's called the Messiah complex. Mm-hmm. And that's called the savior of the world complex. And that is not what we are called to do. But man, that's been a lesson I've had to work through as a leader because you t- you can get to, you can actually start believing that, that you are the Messiah in these situations and in, in, you know, in media. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's, that's a dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. So that's been an interesting working out. Not that I've, there are moments of that, but I think just, whoa, take a step and kind of like recalibrate and, and say, okay, God, what, what's most important right now? Yeah. And we talked about this when you worked with me, mm-hmm. because I remember one of the things that most surprised you was um, like you came to work and you went home <laughs> and yes. like on time. Right. Yeah. And that has been a big piece for me. And that's only, I only do that because I, I started out my career in ministry. It was like, you do whatever it takes and that's yeah. that's your standard and the expectation is so high yes and it will kill you it's great for a short game mm-hmm. like that's the sprint but if this is a marathon and like you and I've both been doing this for over 20 years now right yeah in some form or another um it doesn't work no it doesn't work for that and so i know that that you know that was probably a challenge for you in elements of your career now you're you're over that but when you're starting your own show <laughs> Um, how yes. does that work? Yeah, because it, that it was that an easy thing to no. do? Like, did it just come together and no? Magically? And I would here's a PS um, advice to anybody who's getting married and wanting to start a new business or show. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, if you talk to my husband, it probably the timing probably wasn't good. We got married and then I launched a show, and you know, I think if I look back three years ago, we probably should have had better communication. I might have waited a year. Just because when you are an entrepreneur and you start something like that, it's all in. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I say three years out, what I've learned in leadership is, is that I was really off. Like, I mean, I was, and I had to be, I had to raise my own money. I had to edit. I had to produce a show. I had to guest. I had to write. I had to do backend web. I had to do social media. I mean, I really didn't have money. I had some organizations that were supporting, but I had to do it all. That's what you do. And so what that meant, though, is that I was all in. And 
And when you're trying to be all in with work and you're trying to be all in with a new husband, you can't be all in. No. And so there, yeah, I mean, wow, this is quite open and honest, but it wasn't an easy, you know, first year in that way. It was an easy as far as us being married in our relationship because Chris and I have a great relationship, but it wasn't easy in the marriage part of trying to balance, you know, a new idea and show with marriage. Uh, but it, it takes a lot. Here's what I would say to entrepreneurs. A lot of people come to me and say, oh, my, I want to do the same thing you're doing. I want to have my own show. I want to be on national TV and I want to do this. I'm like, great. Are you willing though to do the hard work and the long hours and literally praying? Like, I don't know if, how it's going to happen. And are you willing to to sacrifice and, and do that? And, and long-term, not just all of a sudden, you know, after a couple of months, everything's going to be great and somebody's going to come and, and fund your whole project. Now, this is three years and I'm still, you know, fundraising and on my knees and saying, God, is this what you're doing? I, I have more team members, but that's just recent. But it has been really hard work to do this. But I also do it because I believe God has really called me to this as well. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I have to do a shout out to my husband, Chris, because you know, when you're going through this and you have an amazing support person, it it totally makes a difference. So thank you, Chris. <laughs> and, and I get it because we started our business mm-hmm. six months after we were married. So our first year yeah. of marriage was hard. Oh, yeah. It was great. I like, had the best husband. Yeah, that's exactly really what I would hard. say, but it was really, really hard. So is that what helps keep you in it? <laughs> a good husband? Mm-hmm. Yes. What keeps me in it too, Ellen, is you know, that I really believe, here's the thing, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus and he has completely changed and transformed my life. I choose to follow him because I believe he is the best way in how to live and love in this world and and so many things. And so in that, at the core of that, I really want more people to know him and not know the church institution, religion that's hurt people because there's so much confusion now in this day and age, but to know the person of Jesus who I have a personal relationship with. All that to say, that's the motivating factor that I actually want people to know him. I also want to help people, especially young women, have tools and resources to help them in their life. Like The things that have helped me, I want to share uh, with them. The other thing too is at the at the core of me, I'm a storyteller. I love mm-hmm. to share stories. I love to share stories of God's faithfulness to me. I love to share other people's stories. And I find that there's power in storytelling. When you share a story, other people don't feel alone um, or excluded because they're like, oh, she had the same experience I did. Okay, well, that's cool because now I don't feel as lost or that I'm crazy or that I'm alone in this. And so my, I answer that with a lot of things, but I do it because I believe in the power of story. I believe in in Jesus and that he can change someone completely. And and I also believe in helping people with resources and tools to help mm-hmm. them in their life. I, I think when people are like, so many people come to me and they write me and they're like, I don't know how to do this. Is there a book? Is there a tool? Is there a thought? Is there, a, is there an expert? And so I found that I'm also a bit of a resource for people as well. You know, I, I think this is why we get along because we are, <laughs> we have a lot of things in common, don't we? Yeah, we yeah, do. You got to interview me for the pilot of this. Now you got to interview me. How arrogant is that? <laughs> no. You, I got to be interviewed by you for the pilot fun. episode of so the show. Fun. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when I hear you talk and like, I think when we get below the surface on both of us, we have a lot of 
part connection. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, like they a do. lot of similarities. And one of the things that I know you talked about that you're learning these days is that you are now a mentor. <laughs> yes. And you said, when did that happen? Yeah, your line was, <laughs> um, but I'm still looking for a mentor. And I totally get that. I 100% get that. Right. But um, tell me about what you're learning about that at this stage of life about mentoring and. Mm. Well, it's a funny stage because I think in some ways, I think I'm still 25 (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm like, what, why are people coming to me? It's actually funny, Ellen, because I, sometimes I'm really surprised people come to me until they come to me. And I realize, wow, I have a lot of knowledge in the work that I do. And so I realized that, you know, my show, See Here Love is really also a place for mentoring. We've gotten a number of young women all over the world who've said, you know what, you're actually um, mentors to us. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, we don't have actually physical mentors. We don't go to church, but you are actually a mentor to us. We listen to your show because we're hearing from women that are older by five, 10, even 20 years older talking about their experiences. And we're actually like, wow, we're learning from you and your guests and your co-hosts. And I'm like, wow, isn't that interesting? I thought mentoring had to be a certain specific way, but we're actually mentoring people by just being on a panel and giving a platform for women to share their story. I'm also being asked to mentor a lot in areas of like entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial skills, fundraising, because that's a, a big part of the job that I do. And do people know that? Like no one knows that fundraising oh. is part of making a show. No, like, and this is, is it a glamour job? Is no, what I need to ask you. It is a hard job and you are putting yourself out there for the no's all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do say to people, if you want to start a, a work like this or a show or anything, you know, the fundraising part is the the gross part. And yet, I mean, I love it because I always called it like, you know, not fundraising, but friend raising. And I have a lot of, you know, Aww. it really is. <laughs> you can tell I you're know. an MK. I know, yeah. it's friend raising. <laughs> it's friend raising. But really at the end of the day, I mean, it's hard, but when you're passionate and you share a story and you invite people to join you in the story, then it's easy. Yeah. And that's how I've gotten, you know, fundraising for my show because I've actually said, this is important work, join us in the journey. But it's hard, you know, going up and sitting in front of a you know a bunch of people at a boardroom table and pitching an idea, and you're just like, <gasps> I hope they get it. I hope they see the vision and mission in my heart for it. So it is unglamorous, but I love it. But that's part of what I mentor, you know, some people on mentor in media because media, like you said, is changing. So people are like, wow, how do we do digital and how do we do podcasts and online and web and a show and how do you put it all together? Mm -hmm. And then realizing, Ellen, I'm like, oh, I do this. People want to be mentored in this Mm -hmm. that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So that's been really exciting at this stage and age of my life. Um, But also part of mentoring has actually been good because I've noticed in me that what I'm learning to do more is to listen more. I realize mentoring is, 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 is pushing me to listen more. My show is about pushing me to listen more because I think when you listen more, you learn more. I'm, and what's funny is for someone who is a talker and my job is about talking and communicating, this change and listening more has been really, has been really interesting for me. It's been a, quite a journey where God has been saying, you need to listen. You actually mm-hmm. learn more when you listen. You're learning a lot right now. I am. I can tell you that you're in a season of change. Yes. Is that right? Oh. Am I right? Well, I mean, and change is practical. I mean, first of all, when you hit into your 40s, and I just outed myself, I'm in my 40s, 
you know, body, okay. body hair, <laughs> thighs. I don't know. All that kind of different. stuff is different. Everything's different. A second, I think when you're in a blended family and I have like a 15-year-old now and a soon to be 13-year-old, that's massive change as we transition from that part of family. Uh, I think there's a lot of change in now it's funny. I was always looking at what am I going to do? And now I'm, and I'm now changing to legacy language. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of change in this Mm -hmm. stage and age of my life or as a woman's life in this time. Um, but I feel it's good. You know, somebody asked me like, if it's not a morbid thing, but if you were to die today, how would you feel about your life? And I actually was like, really, really good. Mm. Really, really in such a good place that if I did die, I would be really thrilled about my life and what I've done. Not perfectly. I've had a lot of imperfect moments and bad choices in my life. And as a leader and just as a woman trying to find her way, and I call those the prodigal years. And But overall, it's it's been really good. And I'm I'm proud of how far I've come. And I think I need to probably celebrate that a little bit more because mm-hmm. I work hard and and so as part of the leader, as a leader, I think that's one thing I need to do is celebrate the little wins, the big wins, and for me personally. But yeah, I'm, I am learning a lot and, and there's a lot of change, but it's it's good. It's good. Yeah. And I do think, honestly, um, I keep saying honestly, it's like we're just having a really deep <laughs> yeah, talk. Yeah. The expectations of others can be so high that, you know, you call these prodigal years. <laughs> I, I'm even just saying, but you know, we got, you and I kind of got to co-grow up in this world mm-hmm. together, you know, like even though you were doing your thing, I was doing my thing, our, we, our lives would intersect. Yeah. Um, but part of that is just growing up and being a little easier on ourselves. Yes. So that Absolutely. we actually can celebrate that. Like, yeah. I think that's one of the learnings too, is saying, yeah, you know what? They weren't prodigal years. They were just God using me. In yeah, your, maybe that's you a know? good way to reframe. It was God using me. I mean, uh, granted, you know, the choices I made, but then I think, but if I didn't make those choices and see God all the time redeem and, mm-hmm. and change me, I wouldn't be really the woman I am today. No. And I think that's part of leadership. I think as a leader, change maker, you know, to kind of almost like look back the 30,000 foot look and say, okay, okay, God, maybe those were imperfect moments and choices, but wow, look how you redeem and change. But also for me to make the choice to say, okay, I messed up and now we're, what am I going to do? Am I going to continue to mess up and make bad choices or I'm going to learn from them and then kind of like change mm-hmm. course, you know, pivot and make a different change and move. So it's good. It is it good. Is. And I think, and I think I've said this to you too before. Um, I think that's part of what makes us, I, I think that choosing those changes are what make us either a harder leader or a softer leader. Mm. And I don't mean soft as in weak, but one who is actually compassionate because as a leader, like I think some of the reason why people don't want to be called leaders is they think of it as like this power broker or something like that. And that's not really attractive Mm -hmm. to us, but that's, there's a softness and a compassion to leading well. Have you seen that? Like who have you seen in your life who has been a change maker for you? Or you and I were talking earlier about some people that we know that we've admired their leadership, not because they were power drivers, but because they were kind mm-hmm. and good and integrity filled mm-hmm. and wise. Yeah. 
Wow. You know, I think it starts with, you know, I mean, my mom and dad, but my dad right from the beginning as, you know, a man who, you know, really loved our family, but also was a champion for me as a young girl. When, you know, when, and like what you've said, you know, many times before you're here because of men who have believed in you. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same. I mean, starting from my dad, he was like, honey, I know you're like at that time, you know, three foot and you're little and you think that you can be like, you know, the next Pele soccer player and the next amazing basketball player. Okay, well, we'll help you try to do that until maybe you can't be. But I always had people who really believed in me that way. And I think, you know, when when I look through my life, you know, there was a lot of great men who believed in me. I mean, Dave Toyson, you know, the former CEO of World Vision Canada, who saw, you know, in my first walk into career, was like, I see you and I believe in you and what you can do. So I'm going to, you know, mentor you and give you tools and resources to help you and and really champion what you're about. And I saw that in pastors and in 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 men who really wanted to see women flourish and thrive. And I'm thankful for them. I mean, these men in Canada, pastors and friends who believed in me, as well as women who also did. It was interesting for men because I think when I saw a man stand and say, no, as a man, I believe in equality within the church and outside. I believe in opportunity and equal opportunity for women, especially in the church. That changed everything for me. I mean, that was where you're like, wow, okay. So you didn't have to risk going in front of the board of the church because Mm -hmm. you let me preach. You're willing to do that. Okay. There's something here. So I think that that's big for me. And I think, you know, leadership, I've, I've sort of looked at the leaders that were really effective and leaders who who weren't. And I've tried to model, you know, what does that look like? And I think the kindness is a big one. I think sort of flexibility and openness, you know, not controlling or micromanaging, but really being open and listening to needs. And, you know, the other thing too is not competing and comparing, Mm. um, but knowing who I am and sort of staying in my lane and what God has called me to do. And for other people who are succeeding in other lanes, great being a champion. But I mean, that -hmm. that comes with time. I mean, have I been jealous of of leaders and opportunities? Absolutely. Have I compared Mm -hmm. and competed? Yes. Uh, but now I think maybe I'm just too exhausted. <laughs> yep, you do get to that <laughs> to stage. Do that. Like, That's also, great for you. Yeah, and, and maybe not just exhausted, but now more and more knowing, you know, God, God has this plan, and I'm more settled and secure in who I am um, about where I'm to be and what God has called me. And so for now, it's mm. you're going to be a host and executive producer of See Here Love. You're going to be a wife and and a stepmom to two kids. You're going to be a good friend, a daughter. And then a faithful follower of Jesus. It sounds so simple. I mean, it's a lot, but really, you kind of drill down, and those mm-hmm. are the the important things as far as as far as relationships. And so, you know, I'm I'm in a really good place. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had asked me that a few years ago, I don't know if I would have answered the same way, Ellen. But I think sitting here at this time, in a really good place. And I think one of your other keys, whether or not you identify this, and it's something I've seen. Um, in good leaders who have lasted the test of time, um, and in my brain it's kind of the Max Lucado principle, is that, so I don't know if you know this about Max, but his childhood friend is his manager, and he knows Max. Mm. And he knows if Max is real, and he knows if Max is not real, and Max is real. Like, let me just tell you, he was Mm -hmm. just a gem. 
but he keeps his close friends close. And I think that is something that you also are really intentional about. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has been a huge support to you, not just as a leader, but as um, a person living out her calling. Yeah. Maybe speak about that a little. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a good observation. I, I, I will say this because I, I think in all honesty and transparency, I think I've taken for granted my community of, of friends and who I have around me, but that is something you're right has been key in, in my leadership I've invested a lot in girlfriends and friends from small groups for 15, 17 years. I have friends from, I still see after 32 years, 27 years. And I've really believed that the investment of these people is important, not for them, but for me. And so you're right. You know, when you're younger, you have, for me, I had this big, big, wide net of friends. And as you get older, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller to your trusted ones. But yeah, I, I really, over the years, have realized that I need trusted friends because when you're in ministry and leadership, who do you trust? And you never want to, as they say, you know, throw your pearls before swine because I've seen that happen and get burned badly from just sort of like opening myself up and sharing mm-hmm. stuff and then getting hurt by other people. And so you, you start going, okay, who are the people I can trust? Who are those people who are for you, who have your back, but also who can speak honestly to you critically for you to be better and become better, but also those people you can go for kindness and care. Mm -hmm. And I think too, you know, I've shared my story too, but when I went through my divorce, I mean, you think about that. I was in, I was a co-host of a Christian women's show airing on national TV, speaking at conferences. And then I go through a divorce after I've literally sat in front of hundreds of people giving marriage advice. And then I come out and say, my husband has left me. Well, that's a blow to leadership, even as as a woman of faith, all kinds of things. And so I've shared that story before, but the people who were there to be with me and not judge me, are those are the people that you mm-hmm. need and have helped me continue in leadership and believe back that, man, I have, I have still a lot to offer. Granted, I mean, I have a very unique situation where people are like, it's, it's, beautiful, your story of divorce and redemption is probably one of the most beautiful stories people have said, because most of those stories end up nowhere near what you experience. Because when you have a Christian organization that then supports, prays, and elevates you and keeps you on air, most Mm -hmm. wouldn't. You have a church that doesn't kick you to the curb or judge you, but is filled with grace and helps you and restores you. You have a community that doesn't judge you and again, elevates you and protects you, protects you, and then wants to see a flourish and then helps you. And you see a family that's loving and caring and, and guarding. All of those factors and people can then, I mean, really it's quite emotional, uh, can restore you back to full mm-hmm. health. And I am I am very aware that that is a very unique situation because I received many emails and letters where people never had that experience and were actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. So when you are part of a community of people who gather and love you and care, you can then still be an executive producer Mm -hmm. and host of a Christian woman's show years later. And so I feel, I'm not saying I'm like the product of the community. I'm saying that when everybody 
does what they should do. One heart and one mind, loving, caring, grace-filled, not judgmental, offering opportunities over and over again. I can be where I am today. And I wish more people had that experience yeah. because I hear that that's always the opposite. So I'm very grateful. Um, you know, even Ellen, for you, I, you know, when I finished one chapter of my life and I didn't know what to do, you, you know, oh, wow, quite emotional. You know, you gave me a call and said, let's meet. I think I have a, a job and opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. It was huge. It was such a fun year. It was a fun year, but it was huge because you saw that there's a need. We connected. And over and over again, those are the kinds of stories in my life that have continued to keep me in this in this space and place of leadership. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I should Mm -hmm. just say thank you to that. I mean, that's a it's a very public thing. But thank you for for seeing that in me at that time in my life where there was that there was some change. And you're like, you know, come on board. Let's get you into the team. And that was a great year. That was so fun. It was fun. That was really fun. (laughs) And, you know, I think you taught me a lot about relationship in that year. And I think so. And you know this about me, a weakness and also a strength for me is that I am fairly results driven. Is that fair to say? Yes, you are. So (laughs) I, uh, I like to make sure we do what we say we're going to do and that we do it on time and that we deliver the results like that is that's what stresses me out. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, but also that I love. And you are also results driven, but you are far more relational than I am. And so you taught me a lot about relationship in that year. And I would say the the biggest, um, this is not the right word, the biggest benefit to having you on our team that year was that you pushed me in that relationship area. Mm. Like if I was to say a result, and that's not like, I can't actually tie like ROI to that or, (laughs) you know, and one of the things about the work we do is that we have to be really efficient because we're working with ministries most of the time and they, we want to be good stewards. And so, but you pushed me away from that rigidity to being like, okay, what relationships can we develop here and how can you invest in these? And, and so, and so I say thank you to that because that is hard as a leader and, and it isn't just hard um, because there are results that we have to drive. So I think this is a common thing in leadership is it's way easier to deliver results than to build relationship mm-hmm. because as soon as I, this is a Jenny Allen thing, you stick up your head and you can get it shot off. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we have to do that as leaders, though. We have to stick up our heads and yeah. take the risk. <laughs> yes. So for that lonely leader out there who may not self-identify as lonely, mm. but would feel a bit isolated, because the reality is when you're the leader, um, it's hard to find your people. Uh, how? What would you say to them? Yeah. You know, I wrote these down right before the podcast because I was like, what are what are the things that keep me as a leader, drive me, are my, are my things? And there was four that just came to me, and I'm like, those are the four. Courage, confidence, faith, and people. And I think those four are the, are sort of the, the core that keep me as a leader in doing what I do. But for the lonely leader, honestly, it you cannot do the work you do without people. And I've seen it. I've seen leaders who are like, well, I, I want to kind of be isolated and, and head down, hunker down, and do my work. But you are going to need your people. Because life is hard and it's unexpected and you're going to go through devastating losses and for some ends of marriages and hard times with your kids and your parents, 
are getting older and you're going to be stuck in a sandwich. You you need people. You cannot do life alone. And we were never created for that. We were never created to be isolated and alone. That's why God created people. And I think the, the church, as far as community, he, he created families and friendships because he knew that at the core of us, we can't be alone. We shouldn't be alone. And you kind of taught me how to find my people. And we've talked a little bit about this, like Ellen's picks as a result of you yeah. saying, yeah, we're going to find you your people mm-hmm. in, you didn't say it in those words, but kind of, but you made introductions to me of other people who you thought I would get <laughs> along with and yeah. like, and that I, you would say, you should know her. Mm-hmm. You need to know her. And I think Stacy Campbell of Prison Fellowship is mm-hmm. one of those people, Alana Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you made me go to Toronto. <laughs> Which I, I did. Hate. I do remember that. How much do I hate that? You don't like that. <clears throat> I don't like that. But you made me go because you were like, it's worth it. And so I think that there that that actually taught me that I need to choose to say, I'm going to do this. So instead of being isolated, I can introduce myself and I can say, Hi, I'm Ellen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or I can listen to other people who want to make the introduction. Because I could have said, you know what? No, it's too, I don't want to go to Toronto. Right. Because <laughs> it's so nice in Elmira. It you is. So, but it is. So but it was how good. do you do that? Like, how do you just wow. say, because you're a master yes, of that. Yeah. So here's a couple of things. First of all, I would say the people like me, there's a lot of people like me, believe it or not. We need to be advocates and champions for people that it's it's a little awkward or harder, right? Like, I mean, that's that's the God-given gift of me. Like, I'm a networker naturally. I love people. I love connecting people with other people. There are other people out there. And I've actually said to some of those people, you need to do more of that. You need to actually be the answer, honestly, the answer to prayer for some people, but using your gifts to connect people. And it's been interesting. Like, oh, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I never actually thought that that was actually a gift for me to use for, for good. I just thought, oh yeah, I love to do a party. And Mm-hmm. I might put actually to be intentional about that. I think the other thing for people, it it does take courage. It, it really takes you out of your comfort zone to say, okay, I'm going to go to that connection dinner. I'm going to make that phone mm-hmm. call to the person who I think has a, that has a little bit of that same, same kind of focus as me or same passion as me. I'm going to make the call. It's always the, here's what I say. You just have to do it. A lot of times people don't do it because they think too much about it. Mm-hmm. And then they actually create these weird scenarios or fake scenarios that haven't actually haven't happened yet that actually cause them not to do it. Like I have people going, I can't call. And I go, why not? Well, they're going to answer and then they're going to be like, well, what are you, why are you calling? And then the conversation is going to go really bad. And I'm like, so wait a second, has that happened yet? Oh no, no. That's what I'm thinking in my head is going to happen. I said, well, but it hasn't happened. You actually need to do it. If it does happen, you were right. If it doesn't happen, what a bonus to say, I may have just created created an opportunity for friendship or connection. Yeah. And you know, those two people that I mentioned, Yeah, the crazy thing is, is last year I sustained a horrible concussion and all three of us had a concussion at the yes. same time and got to actually connect on our experiences as leaders and, uh, and, and what we were ex- experiencing. The concussion is horrible. If you have mm-hmm. never experienced it, I had no idea, but if it wasn't for you making those connections, I wouldn't know those other leaders who were going through the same thing at the same time mm-hmm. and that we needed each other. Yeah. And, and I think that's it, yeah. Ellen. We need each other. I need to help keep networking people. I have to also encourage people to be courageous, mm-hmm. make the call. Leaders who, who are isolated need to make the call and also just reach out. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but go to that dinner 
Like when somebody invites you to something, go. Maybe not everything, but go. That's where you're going to make the connection, meet people that are like-minded and that can help you. That's so good. Mm -hmm. And you know, so there will be people listening to this show that are men and are like, I'm not going to watch See, Here Love necessarily. (laughs) So how can, you know, like, so you're on YouTube with See, Here Love. And you I can know, subscribe to our YouTube channel at You See Her Love. Yeah. And you have a podcast. Yep. On Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Okay. And you're on Yes TV on Monday nights. Yeah. And Monday mornings, like nine and then 8 30 p.m. at night. Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And then people, is there, is there any other way that people can yes. connect with you? Seeherlove.com. But, you know, as much as men say, oh, I don't watch it, we actually are doing more men shows. Awesome. And so our next couple shows coming up are men, and we talk about struggles through the decades. Uh, why men don't have best friends, uh, why, how men with the Me Too and Church Too movement, how men and women can work well together as colleagues and friends. So yeah, we're doing, and mental health and men's mental health. So I think that men can really learn about women, but also about their themselves through our shows. Your vision is growing. It's growing, actually. It's been men who've come up to me, Ellen, in the last couple of months over the summer and last year and said, You know, we watch our show because our wives watch the show. But how come you don't have more men on the show? We want more men. And so I heard them. And two shows are only men, giving them space. Um, And it was one of the most beautiful. I actually cried after it because they actually were like, thank you for giving us a safe space to share what we struggle with, without judgment, and with other men who we can talk to. And I was like, I was in tears. And so I feel God's moving it's a woman's show, yeah, but I feel God's moving me into saying you got to get into some different waters and different hmm. opportunities. So here we go. Well, you are a woman who makes things happen, and I'm so grateful that you are my friend. Thank you. And I'm too, so Ellen. glad that you were here. This is a great conversation. <laughs> yes. We could talk for hours. I we know. have a lot more to talk about, so we'll just have to do it again. We're going to do it again. I would love to come back up to this beautiful town of Elmira awesome. and to hang out with you, too. Thanks for being a change maker. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Changemakers podcast brought to you by Graf Martin Communications, your marketing team for good. Graf Martin Communications is Canada's leading PR and marketing agency serving faith-based organizations from coast to coast. Visit grafmartin.com to learn more.